Hey, have you read the books? I'm a big old nerd. Only different in your mind. Welcome to Star Wars Rant Podcast. This is episode six, and I'm Brian Seddon. I'm joined with uh, my good friends, Chad Viss and Brian North. What's up, fellas? What's up? Greets. So thanks for joining us for episode six. Before we jump into everything, I want to congratulate Chad on his new podcast. He already has one podcast called South Dakota Gamer Podcast, but he just started a, a new podcast Chad, quickly, just tell us what the new podcast is, the name of it, and a little bit about it. Sure. Uh, it's in the same feed as the South Dakota Gamer podcast, so if you're subscribed to that one, you'll get this one. But it's called the South Dakota Gamer Topics Cast, and it's kind of headed up by my co-host Dave Mann. He has taken it upon himself to do this one, and it's just a straight-up talk about whatever. Each one of the hosts brings a random topic for the week, and we talk about it. Uh, the very first one we did, I talked about the most annoying thing in the world to me, and that was not Dumb and Dumber's noise that he makes in the car, but it was when people touch my nose. I hate it a lot, and we talked about that. That happens to you? Who touches your nose? Well, you see, listen to the podcast, and uh, you will, I gotta, that, I gotta that discussion listen. was made. Um, Josh had someone spit on his car, which was real gross, and then Dave talked about possibly the worst boss to ever work for in the entire universe. Was it like, Chad Viss? I, he never worked for me, so uh, no. it's pretty crazy. So yeah, so we just take, it's going to be a once a month podcast, and it's just going to be about random things. I'm sure Star Wars will pop up at some point on that podcast, along with video games and other things as well. So yeah. All right, very cool. Congrats on that. And I know South Dakota Gamer Podcast is a great podcast, so I'm sure that one's uh, rocking as well. Then obviously we appreciate you and all the work you do for our podcast here on Star Wars Ramp Podcast. And, um, you know, I usually save this for the end, but I want to throw it out there at the beginning. You know, make sure you follow us on our Twitter, at Star Wars Rant um, is the handle. And then we have a voicemail. You can call and leave us a message about question of the day. Um, you know, maybe you can submit a new one for us, or you could tell us your input or thoughts on it, um, or just any comments you have about the uh, the show here. So that's uh, 402-327-1138. 402-327-1138 so feel free to give us a ring and if we like it we'll play it on the podcast but um good episode today we got some news that we're going to cover um we'll get into to chad's and brian's stuff um i think we're going to talk a little aftermath and um, talk about some ships as well and then we got the outer rim um segment as well so i got something that i thought was pretty cool for it but we'll jump towards that at the end um, we have our character spotlight. Uh, we're going to talk about Mon Mothma a little bit, and then we'll hear Brian's question for the day and uh, see where that goes. So let's just jump right into it. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but this is breaking news probably about nine or seven hours ago. Um, but Star Wars may be coming to a TV screen near you. Not the movie, but a new show. Um so just to read the report here, it says, At a gathering of the Television Critics Association on Thursday, ABC President Channing Dungey confirmed that the network has been having conversations with Lucasfilm about a possible primetime Star Wars television series. And Dungey says, As a fan, I would absolutely love to say yes. 
um, in a response to a question about the Star Wars series. He says, we've had a conversation and we will continue to have conversations with Lucasfilm. It would be wonderful to extend the franchise. So um, pretty sweet. I know at some point they were talking about not necessarily ABC, but um, um, there was talk of a Star Wars Underworld TV show um, that never really got off the ground. Um, it was still supposed to be set between Revenge of the Sith and The New Hope. Um, so, you know, I guess though Kathleen Kennedy said that they were still looking at that material. So it could be something related to under, Underground. I'm sorry, Underworld. Um, but, you know, thoughts on that? Does that make you guys uh, pretty excited? Would you Would you watch a Star Wars TV show? Um, I guess I would watch anything Star Wars. Um, but I would kind of hope that it was, you know, characters that I uh, could follow on a TV series that I would want to watch every single week. And it was in a setting and, you know, with characters that I, with a story that was intriguing enough to keep to keep me interested week in and week out. So I don't know if something in Underworld, Bounty Hunters, like I said last week with Boba Fett, doesn't really uh, excite me too much. But, you know, it just have to be a story that I'd watch. Obviously, Star Wars, I would watch whatever it was. Yeah, it's... It would, I think it'd be difficult to do a Star Wars TV show just because of the weekly nature of it and trying to keep something going that long. I think what I would want to see is if they did one is something like a Netflix series rather than a you know like an ABC network show, but something that maybe have eight to ten episodes, kind of like Daredevil or you know Jessica Jones or The Defenders or all the stuff that Marvel is doing on Netflix and release a eight to ten episode star wars show that way i don't know if that's a possibility or something that they would consider but i think that might be more enjoyable yeah that's a thought you know and it seems like most you know i know star trek is going to do a an online not on netflix but on their own uh, cbs uh that'll be interesting yeah so um well yeah i don't know if it goes underworld or not but um you know it kind of reminds me of shield um and how they kind of got that going on and then you got the movies and some of it kind of plays into to each other um a little bit so um we'll see where it goes but i think you know um i think it's it's good i would watch it whatever it is yeah um well i think that's where i I think that's where i'm getting like a little bit of my bag stigma about it because i love watching the marvel movies and i keep up with the cinematic universe but agents of shield never really did it for me so, yeah, well, I don't think you you want to get obviously you want to get major characters. It would be, you know, very minor characters usually. Maybe some cameos here and there, not necessarily movie stars, but um, yeah, I would imagine you maybe see some droids like R two D two, C three PO. But uh, but usually, I, I think if they did it, it'd be similar to Shield, where it's kind of B characters. Yeah. So, anyway, that's uh, that's something new that uh, that came out uh, today. Um, and then, um, you know, Brian, how you doing, man? You doing okay? I don't know if you heard the news. I don't know if you've checked your Instagram lately. Um, you might be devastated, um, to know that Daisy Ridley has deleted her Instagram account. I did see that. I was going through my uh, feed and when she doesn't appear, um, I was kind of hurt. Maybe she start, Maybe uh, she caused me to unfollow her, but I did some uh, research and realized that the account itself had been deactivated. 
Yep. Uh, Chad, did you hear that yet? I did. Yep. So it says, appears social media criticism got to be just a little too much for Daisy Ridley, the 24-year-old actress deleted her Instagram after receiving some backlash for a post on anti-gun violence. Um, the post came after Jessica Alba's tribute to a teenage family members of highly publicized shootings at the Teen Choice Awards on Sunday. And uh, Ridley was obviously moved. And here is the post that she put on Instagram. It says, I sat in the audience yesterday. Tears were streaming down my face at the tribute to those that have been lost to gun violence. I didn't get a great picture of the incredible group that came on stage, but they were so brave. It was a true moment of togetherness. We must hashtag stop the violence. So, and then what ensued was obviously, you know, people weighing in on if she should be commenting on that, which I think, you know, she's, it's her right to comment on that. I don't see why people give her a hard time, but I think what really happened is just the war of wars between the commenters and she decided to uh, delete the Instagram after that. Um, she did do a follow-up post saying all is good, and then she deleted it again. And then she wrote into the Daily Mail saying that, uh, she says, I just want to be on my phone less, trying to be more present and all that, and got a busy few months ahead, so wanted less distractions. It's all good. So there you go. For those that care, um, I don't really care. But uh, but I know Brian is, is a big uh fan of daisy ridley's instagram page so yeah. i mean i just like the i like that they're on like i've said before in our outer room segment i just like them on uh instagram and those social media accounts just to kind of see you know i, I followed uh john boyega on snapchat and it's just cool to see when they just see where they're at and see where they are in filming or uh just kind of see you know it's people my own age so it's kind of cool to see uh, them just kind of interacting in their own life and kind of rising up and kind of see them a little bit in their personal lives. But, um, you know, getting to follow all that and then it getting kind of cut off is a little bit of a bummer for me. So, Chad, do you care? Nope. <laughs> all right. All right. So on to Rogue One reshoots. Just when you thought this story was dead. Um says, the latest news from the next Star Wars movie is that there's a new person heading the reshoots. Writer-director Tony Gilroy is taking a supervising role on Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and overseeing the edit of the recently wrapped five-week reshoots, according to The Hollywood Reporter. Um, so Gilroy's done, uh, he's written Bourne, um, several of the Bournes, um, Michael Clayton, um, and he is an uncredited writer on Rogue One. Um, the report says that uh, Gilroy and, and Gareth Edwards are collaborating on the edit. Um, but it says, though, one of the main reasons Gilroy, Gilroy was called on was to refine the ending of the film. Um, and then you guys remember back in May, the Disney execs weren't happy with the early cut of the movie. Or that's, at least that's what the, um, the rumor was. And they ordered the reshoots. Um, then a month later, Edwards um, tried to play down the reshoots at the Star Wars celebration, and he says that they were always planned to do the reshoots. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't know that he foresaw somebody else coming in and uh, and running those reshoots for him. Um, so, you know, 
I don't know what that means. It's the ending of the film. It seems to be something they really wanted to rework. Um, you know, it does kind of remind me of Suicide Squad and what we're hearing with that, where, um, you know, that, that took a crazy turn. I don't know if you guys heard the story there, but uh, basically they ended up doing two versions of the movie and screened it to audiences. And then once they got the report back from the audiences, kind of did kind of like met in the middle, did a, a mix of both. Have you guys heard anything on the, on that? And do you think that Rogue One is kind of going through the same thing, not necessarily screening it to audiences, but uh, do, do we have anything to worry about? I don't think so. I think the the Suicide Squad, they're, they're still fighting or reacting to Batman versus Superman. And the poor, poor response they got from that movie, and I think they probably panicked and tried to switch things up because of that. Um, I don't think Rogue One has that problem. Um, the the most recent installment in Star Wars was was taken very well. A lot of people liked it. It was received very well. So I don't think they have to change things because they're afraid of how people might react based on the previous movie. Um, I don't know. A lot of there's so much attention put on Star Wars that I think any little thing that comes up becomes a, a big story and can maybe be blown out of proportion a little bit. So is it a bad thing to have someone else come in that's done some good work and give his his eyes on some final editing and making sure it's the best it can be? Uh, probably not. It'll probably be fine. And I think, too, that um, I don't really know. I haven't really heard a lot about how DC runs things, but I know, with especially from the Marvel side, that, that they have their own creative team. And I know even Lucasfilm has their own creative team that, was behind the force awakens and is behind rebels and kind of what everything is that is canon nowadays so i feel like they have i you know i trust that creative team to um have a good direction of where they want the films to go so i don't really think whoever they put in the driver's seat in the director's chair is really going to change their vision they just want to make sure that it's done properly yeah, we'll see. December sixteenth is when it comes out, and um, that's in four months. Four months, I mean, and we got some Star nothing. Wars. It is nothing. It'll be here before you know it. So, um, so next up is some episode eight spoilers, possibly. You guys want to hear some spoilers? How can they be spoilers? Nothing's confirmed. Spoiler alert. Possible, possible spoilers. Um, And then also a uh, character reveal. So I'm going to read it. If you don't want to hear it, close your ear holes. So here we go. I don't think you can do that. Sure you can. Just stick your fingers right in there. Close those things. Okay. (laughs) All eyes may be on Luke Skywalker and Rey ahead of Star Wars 8, but a few detailed plot spoilers from the movie leaked this week. And it's Finn taking center stage alongside a mysterious newcomer played by Kelly Marie Tran. Do you guys know who that is? I saw her picture. Right, I saw, I saw her picture I as well. I saw her picture, but kind of an unknown. I don't know anything she's been in. I looked at her on IMD, and she's on some college humor videos. So you could Google her, Kelly Marie Tran, if you're really interested in uh, seeing what she's done. But uh, I was not familiar with anything I saw there. But... 
Rain Johnson is in the director's chair for the sequel to The Force Awakens and has previously teased that we should expect something special from Tran. But according to a new report on Star Wars Spoilers blog, her character is far from the new lead of the movie. In fact, she's a minor player who shares most of her scenes with Finn. So here we go. According to the gossip piece, um, which obviously is, it's a rumor, Trans characters named Aya, A-Y-A, Aya, Iowa, Aya? Iowa. Iowa. I don't think that's right. <laughs> Is it Peyton Manning? Yeah, right. Iowa. All right, anyway. Omaha. Um, it's Omaha. 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 Yeah. What's the difference? Good job. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, that's her name. Something like that. And it's uh, some kind of information broker who gives Finn intel on the First Order for a price. The source of her information is not revealed. They meet in an upmarket bar. And while Aya yeah. flirts with Finn, she he is not especially interested. Their brief meeting is disrupted by the arrival of stormtroopers um, from whom Aya... <laughs> helps Finn escape. It's just, it's just, you know, I don't like the name. I already don't like the character because I can't say her name, <laughs> and it just makes me not happy. So, um, so anyways, there you have it. You know, the only one thing I, so not nothing real big, you know, nothing huge there, other than the fact that when we lost last saw Finn, he was uh, recovering from his wounds, um, from his battle with Kylo. And, um, so now we know that, uh, he's alive. He got, he got better. Yeah. He's alive and he got better and he's, he's going to bars, um, (laughs) picking up chicks. No, but uh, obviously doing some reconnaissance or some Intel, getting some Intel for the resistance. Um, so there you go. Does that do anything for you guys? Does that pump you guys up for episode eight? It's the only episode eight news I can find. Um, I'm, I hope that it isn't true. Um, sort of. <laughs> that what? Exactly. Um, that he goes to bars? Don't I have Finn no. talking to other people? He's talking to another girl? No, I hope that it's not true that she is a character that kind of plays both sides of the field. Um, especially connected to one of our main three, like, hero leads in terms of Ray, Finn, and Poe, just because, like I said before, I don't really I don't really want another repeat of them trying to recreate similarly to the original trilogy. So her kind of playing that Lando Calrissian role of kind of playing both sides of the field um, is kind of a turnoff to me in terms of the story that it doesn't really... Yes, it has a new face to it. Maybe it's a girl in a brokerage or whatever but she still has that same underlying tone as she's playing the heroes on both sides, which is a similar. I, I didn't to... pick that up. You picked that up from that? Yeah, that's that's what I picked up from it. Hmm. She could be a traitor later on, who knows, which I've heard other reports of her kind of turning her back on them and kind of, you know, feeding Finn to the dog. Chad, any thoughts? Uh, Did it do anything for you? No, it sounds very minor. I mean, like it even says, she's not a major character. Um, so I don't know. It, I don't think we'll. There's no way to say what is it. Who knows what it is? I to get. I don't know. I have. Yeah, like I, I said, no I, I think the only big news there is, if you can call it news, is that 
Finn is uh, is fine. Sure, so. that's probably yeah, that's probably the biggest thing. He's, he he so doesn't job, die. Finn. He does not die. Um, so just real quick, um, the only other thing I have, and this would be, um, you know, my own little contribution is, and I can't remember where I saw it, so I apologize that I can't give you some source material, but I read an article, uh, um, about the, uh, comic series. And again, if you're not into the comics, there's the star Wars comic series, just the, the main title. And then there's different offshoots, right? You got the, the Vader, comics that are still out right now um you got the han solo comics and and so on and so forth so um but i saw an article where apparently george lucas reads the star wars comics he reads the uh, the main series um so i thought that was pretty interesting and and forgive me because i can't remember who uh who wrote the han solo comics he actually reached out to them and he asked for the original prints of uh, the first and second comic um, to, to purchase them. So, you know, if you're somebody who's a, a Star Wars purist, you know, George Lucas does read the comics. And I would still recommend that you read the comics. I just I've read a little bit of all of them. I've read, you know, most of the five uh, part miniseries of different characters. I've already read those. I just finished the Star Wars um uh main series at least i'm I'm current now um up through uh 21 issue 21 so i think 22 comes next um if i know my numbers correctly and uh but it's it's a good read and again it's canon so it gives you a lot of good a lot of good story there you know a lot of good story um and not to ruin it for anybody if you haven't read them but you know when Vader realizes that Luke's his son, there's stuff in there about uh, Luke finding Obi-Wan's journal. Um, and, uh, you know, and I, I could go on, but I, I don't want to ruin it for anybody. We, we've talked about doing a, a, a comic podcast, uh, a special one time, and, and maybe we'll, we'll get that done and we'll kind of explore some of that. But uh, if you're not reading the comics, read them. George Lucas reads them. And uh, if he if it's good enough for him, I would suggest it's good enough for you. So, um, Chad, are you caught up on the comics? Yeah, yeah, uh, on all of them. They're real good. It, they take place between uh, A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. So, yeah. Luke is kind of now famous for being the one that blew up the Death Star. And in that series, you kind of see his journey, and then you see what Leia's been doing, what Han's been up to. They introduce a new couple new characters. Um, and then in Vader series, you see Vader, um, you see the Emperor is, is he's not a nice man at all. And <laughs> he has his own side projects in case Vader fails. That's right. And he pits Vader against them, and when Vader defeats him, he's like, see, it's because I knew. It was a test, and I knew you would win. I knew you would destroy them, but I have to continually test you. But really, he's just trying to safeguard when Vader eventually does fail in his eyes. He thinks that he'll have someone else there to step into his place. So it's fun to see that battle that Darth Vader has uh, as the Emperor just kind of throws him at him and his feelings about that. Yeah, and you get to see, um, you know, back to the, the, the main Star Wars comics, you get to see some of the bounty hunters. Um, that you see like an empire um you see them in action and then good news for b-knob uh boba fett 
uh, features heavily and some heavily in some of the Star Wars uh, comics. Um, get to see him and Luke dust it up a little bit. So uh, I know B Knob is a big Boba Fett fan. So uh, I make sure that he gets Were to read those issues. Listening last week, right? Because I'm pretty sure he said the opposite. Nope. He likes he likes Boba Fett. Hmm. He uh, yep, and he hates Anakin Skywalker. Two huh. things I've learned. That is false. Fair enough. <laughs> so that's what I got, guys. Uh, well, I um, am here to talk about lovely spaceships mm, in the yes. Star Wars universe. Uh, we love them, we hate them. Um, I'm kind of a hater. I kind of feel like every time I come do on the I, show... Do you, you like Star Wars? I don't think he likes anything. <laughs> I'm such a hater sometimes. So as long as you know it, I guess. I mean, the you know, growing up, you know, as a child, I didn't really like the X-wing. And you know, shoot me now. Wow. Um, Who hurt you as a Who? child? Yeah. <laughs> but as I got Who older, doesn't I, like li- the I like the X-wing, and I definitely okay. love the new X-wings and the Force Awakens. I thought those were really great. Um, I really liked those a lot. The B-wings and the A-wings and the um, and the Y-wings didn't really do it for me growing up. I just thought they were kind of lame. Uh, but a new report this week finally revealed a brand new ship coming to Rogue One, which is called the U-Wing. So we're keeping the alphabet theme going. Um, so they gave us <laughs> a first look at that. Hopefully Brian left. can post some photos of this new U-Wing on um, on the uh, website. Yeah, I'll post. Uh, and by the way, let me apologize. If you're somebody... If you're one of the two people that go and visit the uh, the website, uh, I apologize for not updating it recently. I appreciate but that. But I, I will. I will update that. Uh, I'll get some stills, and I found a video of it, and you can actually see it in action and get a better picture of kind of how – because it's got, like, these wings, right, Brian, that, that kind of move? Yeah, um, it's kind of like these little prongs that kind of extend out the front. Um, which is kind of cool to make the shape of a U, obviously the U-wing. Hmm, clever. Um, but it's kind of, it's a regular ship. It's kind of got the same engines that kind of look similar to the X-wing. Um, and then the bottom of it has, um, actually has uh, kind of like a, like those old clone gunships. Um, where it has like a little bay where people can shoot out, and I don't know if you guys saw the little sizzle for um, for sizzle. Rogue One, um, but that little space monkey that was kind of I... cackling in Correct. the in, He's on it. in the in the sizzle is is on the ship. Thank you, Brian. He is. It's a it's a transport ship too. Right. I learned. So yeah. it's kind of a cool ship. I like the design of it. Um, out of the old, out of all the kind of original trilogy, you know, this being a part of it. Um, we should see it landing in battle and soldiers running out of it is what we should see. Which would be very cool. Which would be very cool to see that in a little bit of an action. Um, other things in terms of ships, um, there was a quote by the creator and showrunner of Star Wars Rebels, um, when... People keep asking him, you know, you featured the B-Wing and the Y-Wing um, in Rebels so far, but when are we going to see the X-Wing? Uh, his response was, everybody wants X-Wings, you know. It's, it's a tricky thing in Star Wars because now we have so many things going across so many platforms that you know 
when you're creating a show, you're able to create, you know, stories in Star Wars. I try to see, well, how can we make this different? So one of the choices we made early on was we weren't going to have the X-Wing, at least early on in the show. We've done B-Wings. We Now we're doing Y-Wings. But I've tried to stay away from a lot of the original Trilly kind of New Hope backbone stuff because I want to have to be clearly that this is uh, not that story. We're a different cell. So I think it's kind of cool um, to kind of see how... Uh, Rebels is kind of just saying up front that they want, kind of want to be its own entity without being too similar to A New Hope, which I kind of think Rogue One is doing the same thing. Um, but I'd like to see a lot of these things, maybe a few things from Rogue One, since Rogue One is kind of the closest in the timeline, closest to A New Hope. See uh, certain things in Rogue One, maybe the Death Troopers or the U-Wing show up in Rebels later on, which would be very cool. Hmm. You know, here's here's my thing with with some of that, and again, I'm not you know maybe I'm nitpicking, but it, it's, it still just kind of bothers me on on the logic side of it. But you know, we have these different versions of stormtroopers and these different ships and all that, and it just seems like you know what happens to them? They just like disappear, you know. And it I don't know, it, it still kind of bugs me. It kind of goes back to my whole prequel rant the other day on the last podcast, but. Um, like this U-Wing, I'm all for it. I'm for cool ships and new stuff, but like, you know, it doesn't show up anywhere in the trilogies, the original trilogies. You would think you'd see them. Yeah, but I think that, you know, in another sense, though, in terms of the prequels, especially when you see a lot of the um, clone equipment is kind of a, looks like a uh, a different version of a lot of the empire's equipment you know the mm-hmm. uh kind of similar versions of the ATATs, but different right. um you know we th- we see a, you know if we look at cars 60 years ago or even 100 years ago they look completely different than the cars we're driving now yeah so. well like in revenge of the sith and i don't remember the ship names but like in the beginning which was a great uh great entrance or beginning of the movie with the the space fighting scene in the beginning and those were like the they look like the precursor to the X-wing. What uh, Obi Wan and the Jedi starfighters. Yeah, so so that was cool because it it looked like, yeah, that's an X-wing like in its infancy, you know, maybe one of the first types of it. And but, the uh, clone flagships were precursors to the star destroyers. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you know they had a lot of that, which I think they did a pretty good job in the prequels of doing that. But, um, and then obviously Technology like you advances. don't see any of that. You don't see any of that throughout the thing. And then I remember that last scene where they show Vader and the Emperor on the Star Destroyer at the end of Revenge of Sith. And it kind of like took a big jump. Like suddenly we're in the Clone Wars and like within one scene it was our, already we're a part of the Empire. Um, but this isn't the question of the day. But speaking of ships, the Millennium Falcon being excluded on this. But what is your guys' favorite ships in Star Wars? Hmm. I like the X-Wings. It's hard to, just the space fighters and how quick they are. Those are, those have always been my top, my favorite ones. Boring, but true. I like the TIE Fighters. And not because I'm rooting for the bad guy, but I always thought they looked cool. I like the sound they make. I thought this, you know, it's when you hear that, you know what it is. Um, I don't know. 
I always thought it was a unique design. So, and How about you? my my favorite is the, uh, I guess Obi Wan and Anakin's little Jedi ships in Revenge of the Sith. I thought that was a very cool design, kind of a mix between a Tie Fighter and a X Wing, just with the wings that flacked up and the shape of the ship and them just kind of flying around them. I think I was in Star Wars. I'd want to pick up one of those. Those are the ones that have the circular thing that they detach when they go into light speed or whatever. Right. Yeah. So, but I don't really like the Episode Two uh, Jedi ship that Obi Wan rides around that little pointy thing yeah. that he gets in yeah. the shape. I, but I do like the Revenge of the Sith ones that they have right in that opening scene. And those just disappear, assumedly because the Jedi disappear, right? Because that was their main ship that they used, the right. fighter. Right. So, maybe that's the reason why they disappeared and we'll never see them again. Maybe Luke will pop up with one. So, <laughs> I think he's got a ship there. So I made a lightsaber and I made this ship while I was on this island all by myself. <laughs> it's divorce. made out of rocks. Because right. all I had. And this right. turtle helped me. <laughs> His name is Bob. Uh, Alright. Is that all you got, Brian? And that's all I got. <laughs> So me, right? I'm next. That's me. Yeah, buddy. So I, man, I, I hesitate to do this because it seems like every time I talk, it's like, hey, have you read the books? I'm a big old nerd. Just put me in the library. <laughs> put me in front of some books. So I finished Star Wars Aftermath Life Debt last week. So if you have not read the book and you uh, don't want to know anything about it or the ending, again, this is probably a good time to stop or fast forward five minutes or so um and if either of you want to go because you don't want to hear it then just take your 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 heads off your your headphones off leave your heads on take the headphones off uh so yeah i finished life debt um and as the title implies it is mainly not mainly but heavily about chewy and han and han gets himself into some trouble and i'm not going to go through the entire book necessarily but I want to kind of focus on one character. But just to kind of set it up, um, this is after uh, Return of the Jedi. The second Death Star has been destroyed. The new New Republic is now being formed. Mon Mothma. Uh, uh. Uh, segue. Mon Mothma is now the Chancellor of the New Republic. The Senate has been reinstated. Um, and a lot of political things are happening. The New Republic is going around freeing uh, planets and systems from the Empire that remains. Um, there are factions of the Empire that have splintered off. Um, they're fighting against themselves for power. And there's kind of one main faction that's kind of in charge and has the most Star Destroyers still. Um, and they're kind of infighting and a lot going on there. Um, but as this is happening, Han um, is a general, as we know, right? And him and Chewie get a tip uh, from a random bounty hunter that give, they're given a name but I don't know who they are um, that Kashyyyk how do you say Chewbacca's home planet Kashyyyk Kashyyyk um, Kashyyyk is there's, there's an opportunity to go there and maybe free that planet from the Empire and the New Republic doesn't see the value in going there because she can't offer a whole lot for them. And there's a lot of other planets that need help too. So they don't go there to liberate them. So Han takes it upon himself to do so. 
And as they go, him and Chewbacca go, <clears throat> it's an ambush and it's a trap. And they actually... <clears throat> it's a trap. Thank you. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, they they get Chewbacca and they kidnap him. Um, the Empire does, and they take him back to Kashyyyk. And Han runs off trying to save his skin. He feels bad about it, comes back, and then they introduce our main characters in the story, who is Temnin Wexley, um, who we know from as Snap Wexley from The Force Awakens, one of Poe Dameron's X-Wing uh, Black Squadrons. Um, but they go, they meet up with Han and they go to try to basically liberate and free all the, the Wookiees and all the other people that are enslaved on Kashyyyk by the Empire. That's the main part of the story. But the character I want to bring up is Gallius Rex. Gallius Rex is an interesting character. He's kind of a shadowy character in this book. Um, he's behind the scenes. And the main person that kind of runs most of what is going on with the Empire right now and is kind of the face of the Empire is Admiral Ray Sloan. And she is one of the... She's an admiral. One of the ones left, she was on the outer rim when the Death Star was destroyed, so she escaped a lot of the carnage and immediately kind of became one of the top people still left in the Empire. She's kind of... Uh, <clears throat> She, she follows the Empire's order that it brings, but she wasn't all about Palpatine's weird controlling slavery stuff. Um, but there's this guy that's kind of playing behind the scenes named Gallius Rex. And there's some rumors and speculations that he may be Snoke. Possibly. So does he, Gallius Rex, does he, does he have a position then? Like He, yeah, in, okay, so his history, Gallius Rex, he's from Jakku. That's where he was born. He's okay. a, he's a uh, like an orphaned slave, just peasant kid. And how he kind of gets introduced, and they tell the story at the end of the book, um, he meets Sheev Palpatine early on, and he in early on in the Empire's reign um, as a little boy, and he tries to stow away. For some reason, Palpatine is there um, on Jakku, and he tries to stow away on his ship. Well, Palpatine senses that there's somebody on his ship, finds him, and gives him an opportunity to either be killed right now, and he's, as a child, be killed by Palpatine, or um, basically become his eyes and ears on this planet Jakku. There's something buried on Jakku that Palpatine is very, very interested in, and he leaves uh, his some of his crew there to get this artifact or whatever is there, and he tells uh, Gallius Rex to uh, stay and watch. And if anything goes bad, if anything goes wrong, kill them. And basically takes him under his wing as not not a, a Padawan or not an apprentice, but he he teaches him things and he shows. And this him is things. the person that some people suspect is Snoke. Correct. Right? And they don't you, don't. you don't think that though. I don't know. I, it almost seems too easy. If he is, it, it's almost too, it's almost too plain to spell it out that he is. But so Admiral Ray Sloan finds out that this guy is there. Like she doesn't even know he exists for a while, and then she's summoned by him. And he's he doesn't want to be the face of the empire. He's saying, "Oh, Admiral Sloan, you are the one in charge." But he's like the puppet master. He is behind the scenes. He knows things she doesn't know. Um, and so she kind of goes digging into his past. 
and she finds nothing before like age 20 all of a sudden he shows up um as a commander on a ship um in the navy just uh, like a commander at age 20 with no previous experience that anyone can find he just kind of shows up and anytime she asks someone about him either nobody knows or everyone's very wary about giving any information out about it to a point where she travels to Coruscant as an empire wanted person to get into the li- the library and and find all you know go to where all the information is held from the empire where it was stored and goes in covertly as an admiral and tries to find out who he is and she spends an entire day there with droids helping her and she finds next to nothing so he's got a very shadowy past um, a very hidden past and he sets her up towards the end of the book um, he has all these plans in motion and doesn't tell her what's going on necessarily but he he has an assassination plot on Ch- uh, Mon Mothma during one of the Freedom Day speeches they're going to have. It's like an anniversary of the Death Star being destroyed. And he sends Admiral Sloan in, and her, she's under the guise of having peace talks. The Empire's reeling as far as the Republic's understanding. There's not a whole lot of them left. They just had a, a great victory um, at a different planet, and I forget the name. But the, the New Republic just had a great victory over the Empire at a, at a planet. They destroyed a Star Destroyer. Um, killed a bunch of people, took a bunch of people hostage, which, come to find out, Gallius Rex in- orchestrated, allowed his own people to be defeated intentionally. Um, so he sends Sloan in under the guise of peace talks, not necessarily surrendering, but figuring something out. And then through saving a bunch of prisoners, which had some stuff implanted in them to kind of control their minds, very similar to Order 66 tile stuff, uh, attempts to assassinate uh, Mon Mothma. And then Ray Sloan kind of takes the fall for it. They think she did it, so she's on the run at the end of this book. Um, she almost is killed, but she gets away, and now she's kind of on her own. And it shows... Sorry. <laughs> it shows Gallius Rex at the end of the book saying, Sloan took... It was all her idea. She had a great plan. It did not work out well. And he has this shadow council of higher-ups in the Empire still left. He says, we will take what she started and we will we will bring the Empire back. Oh, come on. It's Snoke. It sure is. That's why I don't know if it is because it's so... It seems Does he get hit in the head? Easy. No. He, he no. sees no, no nothing at all. And they don't describe him as... Does he look like an old man? Yeah, no. They don't describe him as disfigured. Like, he's he's pale. He's very He's very brooding. He really likes opera. Like he, lo- there's a one specific opera uh, piece that he likes, and I tried to search it and see if it was one Palpatine and Anakin yeah. were there, kind of hearing. Palpatine likes opera. Um, it even gives the words to it, and it's very oppressive and things like that too. So it gives some of that yeah. dark side feeling to it. Um, but a lot of the Empire at this point is hiding in nebulas. Uh, the New Republic is not aware of how many Star Destroyers are really left. What they think is left, they really have about. They really have about three times as many um, left that the New Republic doesn't know about, hiding in different nebula across the galaxy, more towards the outer rim, obviously. And I would assume this is where you know the First Order will kind of start to form from the right. remnants of this 
this empire. So it's a great book um, for that part alone, but to see Han and Chewbacca fighting side by side, to see them try to free Kashyyyk, um, save a lot of prisoners that have been, that have even been prisoners since, you know, episode four. Some of the ones that got, that were captured and they've been held in stasis for a long time, they're freed. Um, so it's, it's a great book and a lot of fun. And I don't know, Gallius Rex, maybe who Snoke is, not sure. Yeah, I got to check it out. Sounds really good. So in that Ray Sloan, she's like, she's in all the books now, it seems like. She is the face of the Empire now. Like, she is yeah. the most prominent admiral, you know, in the Navy. So so do we think we'll see her in any any films? I, I bet she dies off before Episode 8 comes up. I mean, obviously she's not in Episode 7. Uh, right. Thing, D- so. what's, the, is, what's the next books coming out, do you know? Um, I think it might be December, actually, the next Aftermath book. Oh, uh, so another Aftermath. Are they doing three Aftermaths? Yeah, so it's a trilogy. And then when's Thrawn come out, do you know? That I'm not sure. Come on, Chad, I thought you were the book guy. Yeah, I am, but I'm not 100% sure, because I was focusing on this one specifically. Yeah. Also, another point, they do mention uh, Hux, General Hux, yeah. as a boy. They, his father is in this book as well. And has really good relationship with Gallus Rex. Is his father's name Adolf? No, I I don't remember his name off the top of my head either. Hitler? No. Oh, he has a lot of Hitler esque. Uh... His father, though, is was in charge of an Imperial Academy, where they yeah. trained officers, but he didn't do a very good job at it. And they describe him as a really <laughs> large man, but very demanding. Yeah. And his son, who... Most large men are demanding. His son, who is General Hux in Episode 7, um, he doesn't have a whole lot of a high regard for him. Um, as, a, as a child, he thinks he's weak, um, and even says so to Gallius Rex. Um, Armitage is General Hux's name in Episode 7. Right. So he is mentioned and he and, and Gallius Rex says, no, we'll take your son with you. Bring your son with you because the... Imperial place, you know, uh, academy they're at was destroyed by the Republic, and uh, Gas Rex saves Hux and his son intentionally, and so there's again there's another connection where this boy is kind of being like regarded well by Gallius Rex. So I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of a lot of things that point the way they could be red herrings, but I don't know. Well, that's good stuff. I don't know what's going books, on over guys. there for B-Nob. But. Sounds like he's under his covers or something, <laughs> digging his head in the, in the in the sheets. All <laughs> right, so we're going to move on to uh, to the character um, character spotlight, and as we mentioned, we're going to talk about Mon Mothma. Great character. Um, I think we first were introduced to her. And the original trilogy in Return of the Jedi um, is where we first saw her, um, officially anyway. And uh, she was your... Uh, is that a I dog? Mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. B-Nob is just sabotaging this thing tonight like nobody's business. You all right, man? I'm good. You, you with us? I'm with you. Good gravy. All right. Um, 
But she kind of had that 1980s mom look kind of, mm. you know, um, coming down to the basement, telling everybody, you know, what the plan is for the night. <laughs> um, but uh, she's going to feature in the Rogue One movie, obviously. So I wanted to give you some background. And um, obviously she's in the books. And, Chad, you might even um, pick up on some stuff I, I leave out since you're big into the books. But uh, – She's. This is this is from Canon, and this is. I'm just gonna go right off of Wikipedia, mm-hmm. um, because uh, gives a lot of good stuff. I'm just gonna give you the kind of the overview. I'm not gonna give you the entire rundown, but um, so here we go. Mon Matha was a human female politician and revolutionary leader who served in the Galactic Senate and Imperial Senate as the representative of Chandrilla. Um, so she was a senator for Chandrilla, the leader of the Alliance to Restore the Republic, and she was the first chancellor of the New Republic. She came to political prominence during the Separatist Crisis and the Clone Wars as a member of uh, Chancellor Palpatine's Loyalist Committee. And um, along with her in that committee was uh, Bail Organa, um, obviously from Alderaan, Padme, um, from Naboo. And then um, Mamatha became an outspoken proponent of pursuing peace between the Galactic Republic and the Confederacy of Independent Systems. She also spoke out against the increase in executive wartime power given to Chancellor Palpatine at the end of the war as Palpatine continued to amass power and ultimately transform the Republic into the Galactic Empire. Mam. Uh, Mothma worked with Senator Organa to begin planting the seeds of rebellion against the imperial regime. Though she remained in the imperial senate as a prominent, uh, I'm sorry, as a proponent of democracy, these seeds ultimately led to the formation of the Rebel Alliance to military combat um, the might of the empire. So basically, again, she was a senator from Chandrilla. She was on this loyalist committee set up by Palpatine. Um, really, the idea of it was supposed to be to support him as chancellor and kind of unite the republic around him. But ultimately, what that loyalist committee turned into was the seeds of the rebellion or the leaders of the rebellion, um, or Bail Organa and Padme and her and a couple of the other senators um, formed the alliance there and if there's a great deleted scene in the clone wars of some of that conversation um with with her in it so she was in the clone wars but it was uh in the attack of the clones but it was deleted um she is in the clone wars comic or i'm sorry the clone wars animated series right um and you get to see some of that stuff there but back to her after the um after the dissolution of the Imperial Senate and Organa's death during uh, destruction of Alderaan, Mothma became the primary political leader of the Rebel Alliance throughout the Galactic Civil War. The Battle of Endor, which Mothma helped plan with the Alliance High Command, saw the death of Emperor Palpatine, spoiler alert, and left the Empire in chaos. In its aftermath, the Rebellion formed the New Republic, headquartered the um, and headquartered the new Galactic Senate on Chandrilla. Um, and then I think after that, though, so the new Senate was housed on her planet, Chandrilla. Then I, I guess it started to rotate to different right. systems. Yep. Um, Mothma was elected as the first chancellor of the New Republic Senate 
and intended to do away with Palpatine's emergency powers, which the Senate gave to the Office of the New Republic uh, Chancellery. She also intended to demilitarize the Republic, hoping to cut the New Republic Starfleet by 90% while leaving the defense of member worlds to the worlds themselves. When the war with the Empire finally came to the end, the Republic and the Imperial Remnants signed the Galactic Concordance and the Republic passed the Military Disarmament Act. So basically, she's responsible for um, reducing the resi- the uh, the Republic's army by 90%, which led to ultimately the rise of the First Order. Yep. Um, if you if you put everything together, so. She's a great character. I mean, she's a great, in my opinion of her, she's a great leader. I mean, she led the the original rebellion. Um, you know, she helped form it. She helped lead them to victory, helped to see the end of the empire. And then she dropped the ball at the end um, by, uh, by reducing the military by 90%. Um, her hope was that by doing that, it would foster peace throughout the galaxy and uh it did not so and obviously they're they're unaware that they were building up uh the empire was still out there building up this this first order so and chad again i know that's all that stuff's heavy in the books right it's that's part of leia's contention with mothma as these books go on and as which lead her in bloodlines to leave the senate is that you know mothma has in her her viewpoint of it is i don't want to become another palpatine where I have all this power and all this all this military might, we want to be opposite of that. We we if we are saying that we aren't what the emperor was and the empire was, then we need to each planet needs to be responsible for its own military and its own you know protection. Now we're there as an overseer, and if there are things we need to get involved in, we will. But we're not the galactic power that enforces things. We're not the galactic police, and so she intentionally is trying to demilitarize so that they weren't the same and her intention was never to continue to be the chancellor either it was for her to step down and in aftermath after her assassination attempt she does get shot um she this it hits her in the shoulder or something and it knocks her down um pretty badly and then eventually when you get to bloodlines which is right before the force awakens she has stepped down because she is she's ill um, and she's gotten older and she just, she can't keep up with it anymore. And so she steps down and that's where a lot of the senators, the infighting starts and where Leia really gets frustrated with the Senate, just not being able to get anything done and starts the resistance. I just thought, I just thought it was kind of cool. Um, like Chad said, where she doesn't want time to repeat itself um in terms of palpatine and doing things that he did things i also thought it was cool just by reading her history that kind of just by the decisions that she made in life she was the one that kind of whether directly or indirectly created all these groups i mean from being one of part of the loyalist group that gave chancellor his emergency power she was instrumental in forming the empire in a way that she didn't really realize at the time and then she went and she directly influenced and created the rebellion. And then after that, she creates the new Republic. And by the decisions that she made as that step in chancellor, she indirectly formed 
the first order and by also the decision she made then she indirectly created a resistance just because of the decision she made of cutting back on the military so it's kind of cool that she has whether directly or indirectly caused these schisms and these and these breakoffs and and these and creations of these different um orders in the star wars universe Yeah, so, you know, another thing that's interesting is you hear people, you know, we want strong women characters, you know, and, they, and in Star Wars either, or even even so, and, you know, Daisy Ridley was pointed to as that, but, you know, Mothma, she's a strong, strong leader, you know, and, uh, again, you only see her in Return of the Jedi in the films, she's in the deleted scenes on Attack of the Clones, um, so if you don't know much about her, you don't realize how much, you know, how strong of a leader she was, and yeah, um, it's a great character though. I mean, the whole war revolves around her leadership, you know, on, on the, uh, rebellion side. So, uh, so, um, pretty cool. I'm, I'm curious to see what they do with her in Rogue One, um, and, and how some of that plays out. But, uh, but I think that was a good, uh, a good character spotlight. Um, Mon Mothma, very important. She's got a great story. Check her out um, online. You can get more of, uh, about her than, like Chad said, in the books. Um, she features heavily as well. Let's move on to Outer Rim. Do you guys got anything for Outer Rim tonight? Um, I have just a little bit of rumors, some scuttlebutt um, from the Star Wars um, end in terms of um, Star Wars ever since it came out. Um, over the years has been repackaged and reboxed and the original trilogies went through their special edition in the late 90s where they added a little bit of stuff then they had their dvd release where we had that famous switch out of the anakin force goes from sebastian shaw over to hayden christensen which a lot of people are very upset about to this day um but as we went along and then they also had the blu-ray release where they changed yoda and the prequels from a puppet to CGI in uh, episode one, which a lot of people also are shaking their head over, Chad included. <laughs> and uh, But reports are saying that around the time of Rogue One coming out, they're going to release a box set, a five-piece uh, five box set of the prequels on 3D DVD. So just be on the lookout for that. Maybe they'll make announcements for that soon. But I think it's kind of cool that obviously they don't do anything or nothing for no reason. Um, so having the uh, prequels released on DVD once again in a new three-way form is great leeway leading up to Rogue One. I Would you buy the... I mean, I assume we all have those already. Would you buy it again to have the unaltered versions of them no they're expensive <laughs> i you know it's funny i was watching i told you guys i watched empire um today with my kids and you know that one was okay with with the additions in it you know new hope i didn't like the additions in there like like the han solo and java scene in a new hope you know where they're on the hangar bay or whatever he steps on his tail uh, Steps on his tail. He even calls him a he calls him a human because obviously, yeah. well, you know, nice if you ever saw the, yeah, when you saw the, uh, 
the way they did it the first time, it was it was a big fat guy doing it, you know. So I don't know if they intended him to be a giant slug or not, but uh, but he called him a human. I always thought that was weird um, when they cut that in there. But uh, Return of the Jedi, I didn't like the switch there in Jabba's palace with the song, the singing in there. And that I can't remember what that lady is with the big old weird Snow. lips. Yeah, so she's an anti yeah, Empire was the Empire was the only one though where they did additions and it I didn't really I noticed a couple but it doesn't really bother me. Um but at the same time for me to drop that kind of money, I, I don't I don't need it. It's fine. How about you guys? Did you buy it? I think my dad has the original VHSs floating around his house somewhere. So, I don't know if I would or not. I I mean, you figure it's going to be 70 i mean they're 70 bucks like you can buy them in three packs on the blu-rays right now for the original trilogy and the prequels are like 35 bucks a piece um so i assume you do this again you're gonna get a at least 70 80 dollars to buy them so i'll have the vhs's i'll have the dvds i'll have the blu-rays and then i have new blu-rays well you have 3d blu-rays so right just take your two D TV for, for your dumb three D TV that you bought five six years ago, which was a dumb decision. Yeah, Brian, stupid. I don't know who did, but if you're listening, Brian you did. did. He looks so confused right now. <laughs> All right, Chad, what do you got for outer rim? Um, this is a little old here, but have you guys seen those Air Hog uh, X wings yep. and Air Hog Millennium Falcon? Seen it. And an air hog uh, speeder with the stormtrooper on it. So, I'm not seeing the speeder. My dad bought my son a the Millennium Falcon, which it's made of foam. It's not. I mean, it's not plastic. It's foam. The only thing that's plastic is are the propellers, and there are four propellers in there. And it's it's like a drone. You get to fly it around, and it lights up, and all that stuff. It's real cool. Well, one of my son's friends had a birthday this past week. And so he bought him the the uh, Air Hog speeder bike, which I didn't even know they made one of those. But apparently it hovers, and you can it comes with a remote, and you can it doesn't go high like the Millennium Falcon does, but yeah. it hovers above the ground, and you can drive it around like a hovercraft. Which that's pretty cool. I, yeah, I, it was like twenty dollars. My wife found it, and. Uh, he knew he would want that, so he got that for his birthday, and I think he's giving it to him this weekend. But I'm interested to see how that works. I don't know if I'll yeah. get a chance to do that, but... Hopefully he's not listening to the podcast or his birthday will be ruined. Yeah, true. true. I like to uh, I like to know what kind of beating it can take. You know, I would imagine yeah, that's going to get I run want, into a lot of walls. I wonder if it's made with the same foam, because like this foam that the Millennium Falcon's made of, you can smash it into the wall and you would it just bounces right off. Huh. It's it's a really light foam. So you guys have the Falcon? Yep, we have the Millennium yeah. Falcon, and if it's real cool. Um, but yeah, I can send you a video of it. Maybe I think I took one for Christmas time of him flying around the Zesto. Um, oh, I think I did. Yeah, I did yeah. see that. It, I yeah. mean, it control once you get used to it, you can turn it around and you can fly backwards and go up and down. It's you're flying it's like cool. Ray with that thing. Yeah, totally. It's real cool. The battery life's real, real short, but it's yeah. very cool. So. Very cool. My outer rim is an article slash video I found um, called How They Did It, Blue Screen Special Effects in the 1980s. Oh, boy. And, um, and it's, 
it talks about Star Wars, and it's um, so Mark Vargo um, did this video. He was on the team at Industrial Light and Magic, um, and he did work on Empire Strikes Back. And it talks about the blue screen. That was what we used was used in the '80s. Now, obviously, we use like the green screen. But it kind of the video kind of gives you a history, a little bit about special effects, and you know, starting like in the late 1800s through you know all the way up till now. Um, but um, I'm gonna play just a like a one minute of this video. You guys will hear a little bit of it, um, and I'll just make a comment at the end. So. I've wanted to make this video for a long time. Every so often, I paw through my stuff and find things that remind me of topics I'd like to cover in a tutorial. This subject has been on my mind for years. I compare this era in cinema to our nation's lunar program, an amazing cooperative of artists, imagination, optics, engineering, and homebrewed software. I learned the blue screen process at ILM on The Empire Strikes Back. At the time, this process was considered cutting edge, the culmination of decades of photochemical tinkering. 2K digital compositing. Okay, so that's just like a, a minute of the beginning. And um, if, you, if you watch the video, it's kind of cool. It gets a little heavy and, and into, um, into some of the, uh, the processes and things like that. But it, once you watch the video, though, and you kind of realize how much work went in to get like one shot of one ship um, and get the special effects in there. It really gives you an appreciation for, you know, how they put these movies together, especially the Star Wars films, um, the, the hours that they spent doing this. And, um, you know, and obviously they, they won, um, they won major awards for, uh, for Empire Strikes Back for the special effects. So, um, check it out. I'll put a link on the website. Um, Mark Vargo, Again, it's his video. He was the one that uh, that was one of the big guys back in the day doing this, and he did it on Empire Strikes Back. But uh, I uh, I enjoyed the video. It's about a 10-minute video. But, again, it really gives you appreciation for the work that went into putting these movies together and these special effects. And they're still good. I mean, like I said, I just watched Empire today, and the, the effects are still really good. Um, so pretty pretty amazing stuff. Cool. So, all right, well, this was episode six of Star Wars Rant Podcast. Thanks for uh, giving us your time. Uh, leave us a review. We're on iTunes. Some of you guys have been asking where's episode one on iTunes. To be honest with you, I have no clue. Don't know why it's not on there. Maybe <laughs> we'll uh, repost it someday. But, um, but, you know, listen to us. Give us some uh, feedback. Give us a good review. Um, leave us a voicemail on our voicemail, um, 402-327-1138. Follow us on Twitter and check out the website. Listen to Chad's podcast, South, uh, South Dakota Gamer um, Podcast. And then uh, that's it. That's all I got. We thank you for listening. 